Hey everyone, welcome back to Star's Opinion from the Christian Perspective. I didn't upload last week because I was not feeling good, but I wanted to talk about a few topics today. So today's episode, I am going to talk about me adjusting to being a stay-at-home mom, and then also I wanted to talk about um, Pastor Jamal Bryant and his weed comments, and then I wanted to also talk about what is a soul tie. So we're going to have a few topics in there. So let me first start off with um, the adjusting to being a stay-at-home mom. I never grew up um, with the idea of me not working. My mother, she um, is one of 13, nine girls, four boys. Um, my grandmother was a stay-at-home mom. She didn't work outside the home. Um, my grandfather always took care of everything. So my mom in her first marriage, um, it was before me. Um, she divorced, then she had me, and then um, she um, got married. I think I was about maybe eight years old, seven or eight between that time um and she's been married since and so I grew up with um a two-parent household even though it was my stepdad but it was my mom and my stepdad and um my mom she you know went to school she got her um college credits or degree you know to be able to pursue um her career and my aunties alike did the same thing, went to school, got degrees, and advanced in their careers as well. Um, And so I've always um, saw, at least from my perspective, the women in my family always striving to be better than they were before or to um, accomplish or to achieve these um, accolades of success in their work life. So we grew up or I was taught with the idea a man is supposed to take care of you. As far as if you are with him, you are married to him, he takes care of you, you take care of him. As far as like the women taking care of him as far as the household, but the man is supposed to take care of um, the bills, he is supposed to take care of his family. And if his wife um, is working, that's fine because you always want to have something for yourself. You don't never want to, you know, depend on a man. That's what it was. So if things go left, you can always pick up your bags and leave. That's just how I was raised and that's what I saw growing up um, in my household. So when I met my husband, um, I had a son, Aaron. He was one years old and I met my husband and my husband said to me, um, this was back in 2009, keep in mind, um, my husband said to me, hey, you know, you don't have to work if you don't want to. I'm not going to force, you know, my woman doesn't have to work if she don't want to. And that was so foreign to me because I was like, what do you mean I don't have to work? You know, of course I'm going to work. I'm going to always Um, go to work but at the time I didn't understand that um, that is a blessing that I met a man who tells me that 
you know, you don't have to work if you don't want to, you know, you can stay home and take care of, you know, of the kids or take care of the house. You don't have to work. It's an option for you to work, but I prefer that you don't work. Like that was foreign to me because it let me, or it made me feel as though that if I don't work, I'm not going to be able to save anything for myself so if things go up I can't just pick up and leave I'm going to always be at the mercy of this person because I don't have anything for myself you know it was instilled in the women in my family that to make sure you always have something for yourself to make sure you always have something for yourself always keep money to yourself always you know keep make sure you just have something for yourself you know don't just don't save for a rainy day so it was so foreign to me to to have my husband say those words to me you know back in 2009 like no I'm gonna always work and then I fought to you know to work I went to school um became a nurse you know I worked I made sure that I had some money but I also expected my husband to take care of me even though that I work so fast forward you know I it's been times where I didn't work but it was only because I was um either at the time I was pregnant with my daughter or you know it wasn't the type of job that I wanted and my husband never my husband to this day has never said like you need to get up and get a job like he's never said that to me um so you know, it's been times where, like, I'm on and off at work, but it was never, in my mind, it was never that oh, I'm just going to stay home and then take care of the children or take care of the household. Like, I always had the goal or the mindset, I should say, that I'm going to go back to work uh, soon, eventually. So, you know, I'll take temporary jobs or I'll work through agencies um, and I'll take assignments and I will work those assignments maybe um, 13 weeks, maybe 15 to 20 weeks or whatever. Whatever the assignment was, if it was a good assignment, I would stay. And then I'll take a break. And then when I take a break, I'm off for maybe two to three months. And then I'll take another assignment or I'll go do another, um, take, a, a, take on um, a traditional 40-hour job. So that's how it's been, you know. Up until recently, um, I was working um, at um, a nursing facility in 2018. Then I, I, before I worked at a nursing facility, I worked at a psychiatric um, hospital. Then I went to a nursing facility. It was closer to home. And then after I did that, I started doing um, school nursing, you know, and I really, I really enjoyed that going to being a school nurse um because I was off the weekends and then on some days you know kids get out of school early on certain days so I enjoyed that and then I went into um travel nursing when the pandemic hit and the money was amazing when I did the travel nursing and I did and I stayed on um one assignment for almost a year and a half because it was so good it was convenient the work was um manageable and easy and it was close to home and then um they canceled that because any one of you know especially if you are a travel nurse that your assignment can be canceled
time. So at any time, yes, they have um, obligations to pay you up until um, whatever, whenever your assignment is canceled before the contract date. You know, at least the agency I was with, they would pay you up to maybe a week or two weeks um, um, pay after your assignment has ended. So they were transferring me to San Diego and it was like a, it was a two and a half hour drive, two and a half hour drive, um, coming home because of traffic and an hour and 15 minute drive going to work. So going to work wasn't bad because it wasn't traffic. Like it was just like easy selling, but coming home and that traffic was horrible. So I canceled that. I canceled that, um, assignment after about a month I was just could not do it because getting off at 5 p.m and getting home at 7 p.m just to wake up to do it all over again it was just unnecessary and my husband was telling me like I don't think you should take that assignment it's too far like just chill or whatever or find something else that you know you can do closer to home and I was like, no, because it pays good, you know, X, Y, and Z. And we had just bought a house or whatever. So I wanted to be able to contribute to, you know, this new property, our house that we had bought. And once I left that assignment, I took on, if you are following me on YouTube, I took on um, a job and I prayed about it and I thought this is where God wanted me to do. And... I end up getting fired from that said job. So now I'm like, okay, well, I, it wasn't, I felt lost. Like, what did, what do you want me to do, God? Because I prayed to you. You gave me the okay to go ahead and accept the job offer because the manager at the time, I told her no. And then she called back and she said, well, how about I give you three days to think about it? And then you give me your answer. So I was like, okay, you know, and I thought about it. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take the job. Um, I took the job. Um, two and a half months later, they let me go. It was some shady things going on. I'll talk about that later, but let me go. And I felt as though, like, okay, what do I do now? It wasn't like, first of all, I've never been fired from a, a nursing job. I've never been fired from a nursing job. I've been fired from Bank of America, but this, that is before I became a nurse. But I've never been fired from a nursing job, so it was a shock. And then I didn't know what to do. Like, usually, like, okay, someone gets let go or fired from a job. Just like, okay, well, I'm going to go back out there and I'm going to I'm going to see what else is out there or, you know, get another job and just keep, you know, moving on to the next. But inside my heart and my gut, was telling me get trying to find to get another job right now is not where where or what you supposed to do right now so how about you just stay at home focus on the kids focus on the house so I said okay so I did that I'm still doing that and let me tell you at first it was like okay you know I was waking up 
cleaning up every day, trying to make the house as spotless as possible because I'm home all day. The kids are at school. I do have a two-year-old. Um, and took her out of childcare, took her out of childcare because paying $300 a week for childcare now that our income has decreased didn't make any sense to me. And then plus I could be at home to spend time with her and bond. And so I'm doing that and it's all good. You know, I'm like, okay, I'll start my YouTube channel. Actually, I had already started my YouTube channel, but I wasn't able to do or create content on my YouTube channel the way I wanted to because I was always at work. So it gave me, it freed up my time to be able to really dive into my YouTube channel and create content that I know God has called me to create. And, you know, I was, ha- was so happy finding all this freedom and stuff. So now, fast forward three months since I've been home, um, getting into the rhythm is some days that I just do not want I just do not feel like cleaning up I don't feel like cooking I just don't feel like doing it and I'm like God I know I know like there's a basket of dirty clothes that needs to be washed and I don't feel like doing it today I mean, like my husband he never complained or like what did you do all day he's he has never came home to say that but I feel so bad because I'm like you know when I first stayed when I first um was staying at home constantly recently you know I was like full cleaning up the house top to bottom almost every other day um washing dishes mopping floors wiping walls making full course meals and I wasn't able to do that when I was working 40 hours like I would do it like maybe like as far as cleaning the house from top to bottom maybe every weekend and I solicited the kids to help me but this time I was at home um by myself and doing it so the house was able to maintain to be clean but you have to constantly do it so I felt myself being like just doing um the same thing over and over again and I'm like you know God you have to help me um I feel like this is it like this is my purpose to just stay home and cook and clean and do it all over again the next day but God had to really deal with me because he was saying that you know pretty much he just wanted me to be humble and to be grateful so once I realized that he wanted me to be humble and to be grateful it wasn't an issue of me um cleaning every day It wasn't an issue of me making food. Like, I didn't mind making the food for my family. I like when I make food for them and they eat and they enjoy it. But I was doing it every day. And I felt like, is this my purpose? Like, I deserve so much more. I went to school. I became a nurse. I want to continue to go to school to get a higher nursing degree. And I feel like me right now being at home... I'm not achieving or I'm not doing anything or I'm not going to get the accolades that I want to receive because I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom now. Um, but God had to let me know, like, you, 
the time that you are spending at home with your children right now is priceless because I have a 10-year-old daughter, I have a 2-year-old daughter, and I have a son who's 15 years old. So me taking my daughter to school every morning, we have became so much closer. She tells me everything. We have conversations. And these are things I wouldn't be able to do if I was still working because I we're like, got to go, 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 go. So then by the time I come home, it's like, did you do your work? Did you do this? But I'm able to slow down and be with her and talk with her and um, just bond with her um, more than what I was able, more than what I was able to do when I was at work. Even my son, um, you know, being with him, talking to him, asking him how his day was. The kids seeing me um, when they come home from school, seeing me when they wake up to go to school, you know, that has greatly affected them in a good way because it's like, oh, you know, now I'm able to make their lunch for school. And when they come home from school, they have a snack and they have food. And my daughter loves cooked food. So she's really happy that I'm home now. So when I saw it from that lens, I was grateful that God allowed me to be home at this time. So then um, now me making videos and you know, recording for um, the podcast, I have an active two-year-old. And it's like, okay, God, you're going to have to help me manage my time and manage um, how to manage my two-year-old because she clings to me like white on rice. So adjusting on doing that, um, doing my videos and making content when my daughter constantly needs my help. And it's like, you know, when I pray to God or when I'm reading or I'm studying my Bible, I like to be left alone. I like to be secluded in an area and left alone. But having an active two-year-old does not allow you to do that. So I'm like, oh God, here she comes again. And she just wants to beat on me or lay on me. So you know, the Holy Spirit had to check me and was like, you know, you can still pray to me while she's here. You can still read your Bible while she's here laying down um, on you or laying on you. And I had to learn how to adjust because it's like, you know, God understands that our children, especially at her age, that our children needs our attention and he, they need our love and they need our support. So it's okay to pray to God while you're bathing your child. It's okay to pray to God or to read your Bible while your child is invading your space. Obviously, you set boundaries, but he understands that sometimes we're not going to be able to be in a quiet, secluded area or um, space because we have earthly obligations to our children. So it's not like, oh, if you don't get it done today, then that's it. Like we have the rest of the day, we have tomorrow. Like this is a relationship that we have that we're going to cultivate and continue to grow. So don't worry about, oh, I didn't get a chance to read my Bible 30 minutes today because I had to change my daughter's diaper or I had to potty train or started to potty train my daughter or I had to stop and make you know her lunch or she's whiny or you know whatever a two-year-old does that a two-year-old does so me adjusting to being a stay-at-home mom now it's like okay at first 
you know, I was like, okay, you know, I could do this. And then when the rough patch came, as far as like my purpose and my work, I felt like being a stay-at-home mother was not um, as commendable as you know being a working mother. So you know, God had to check me with that. So now. Um, after he checked me with that, it's like, I understand the time and the value that my children are getting at, of me being a stay at home mother, because I'm here to help them. I'm here to bond with them, to talk with them. And they see me, um, helping them, you know, whenever they need me, it's not like, oh, well, I have to wait till mom comes home from work or I have to wait, you know until mom oh did you cook anything oh well we're just going to eat out tonight like they like the home cooked meals and then i've been trying different things and stuff like that some things they like some things they don't like but it is what it is so you know i am loving the aspect of being a stay-at-home mom even though i wasn't necessarily raised like oh you know you should be a stay-at-home mom i was raised by a working woman and women in my family were working women even though their mother was a stay-at-home mom so I think it's it's just balance you know um do I plan on going back into the workforce I don't know um as far as working outside of the home like I'm just waiting on God to hear from that but as of right now I am content in what my role is as a stay-at-home mother so I I think um God has opened my eyes um to that and it's a beautiful feeling so i want to move on to um pastor jamal bryant he had made a post about just he made a post about he wants to what he wants to do he wants to um grow weed he has his i guess acres in georgia he wants to grow weed to um solicit or draw black man or young man to God by helping them learn how to farm and first of all that's nonsense that he wants to do that he doesn't he, he wants free labor and and calling it as oh you know I'm helping the community teaching them how to farm well if you want to teach them how to farm why don't you teach them how to farm fruits and vegetables so they can actually um, take it home to their families and they can, you know, enjoy those fruits and vegetables. Why do, why do you want to teach them how to farm um, marijuana? And first of all, is it even legal in Georgia? Like, someone look that up for me. Is it even legal in Georgia for um, people to even grow marijuana? And then, like... Pastor Jamal is just, I'm just going to call it what it is. He is just a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, if we look at biblical principles of what a pastor or a deacon or an elder of the church is supposed to be, he is not none of that. Because why on earth do you think that, oh, if I have a farm that I grow weed, it's going to draw people to God and, you know, we can spread the gospel. God does not need you to to grow weed to draw people unto him. Like, that's just, that's just you speaking and you wanted to draw people unto yourself and you want to be greedy and you want to be greedy and 
it just it's so it's just going to benefit you it's not going to benefit anyone else but you like you are leading those people to hell and anyone who agrees that pastor jamal should help people learn how to grow and farm weed to draw them to god so they can um build a relationship with god is delusional first of all let's go to um the bible we're gonna go to first timothy chapter three and it gives instruction on instructions on what a church leader should do or what they should be so let's go so it says leaders in the church first timothy chapter three and we're going to start at verse two it says so a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach he must be faithful to his wife he must experience self-control live wisely and have a good reputation so first of all we already know pastor jamal ain't none of that he has been rumored and i believe it's been actually proven that he has that he has had multiple girlfriends he has constantly cheated on his wife giselle or his ex-wife i should say giselle um i'm not sure if he has any other children yeah he does he has children um everywhere and he does not have a good reputation He does not have a good reputation at all. Like, right there in verse 2, and we're not even finished reading verse 2. Right there in in verse 2, he is none of that. He was never faithful to his wife. His life is not above reproach. He does not exercise self-control. He does not have a good reputation. Like, Pastor Jamal is none of that. Um, he must not be a heavy drinker. He... He um, he must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. I don't know if he drinks. Um, I'm not, I haven't heard any reports if he's violent. Um, but I know that he loves money because why on earth would he want to teach man how to farm marijuana? Okay, so once the marijuana has grown, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to sell it? So, yeah. Um, He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. Again, I mean, you know him by his fruits. Um, For if he cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? And, I mean, if you want to read the chapter for yourself, read the whole chapter for yourself, but you could go ahead and do that. Or whatever, but the thing is that Pastor Jamal is not none of those things that we read. So it doesn't it 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 doesn't surprise me that he said, "Oh, let's grow weed into the so we could draw people, you know, to come to church and we could teach them about God." Like God doesn't need that. Um, it was another pastor, Pastor Miles um, Rutherford. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He called Jamal out like, you know, no, we don't need to, we don't need to grow weed to draw people onto God so they can 
come to God or to learn about God. Like, we don't need to do that. Like, God will draw men unto himself. We don't want that. You know, people are addicted to um, drugs out here, and you want to grow drugs so they can come to God, to know God. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if you have any pastor that tells you that this is okay, run for the hills. And that, I mean, that's all I have to say for him. I mean, his lifestyle speaks for itself with that. So the next topic I wanted to talk about is soul ties. Um, and I thought it was pretty interesting because I saw a few posts on Instagram about soul ties. And from my knowledge, until I did a little bit of research, soul ties was only Soul ties were only, in my mind, soul ties were only um, um, attached to you because you had sex with someone. But as I did my research, you know, and I thought about it even more, soul ties can be with friendships. It can be... Obviously, um, when you have intimacy or a sexual relationship with someone, and it could be um, social soul ties and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, you could be friends with someone. You have um, friends with someone for um, a period of time and you can build an emotional soul tie with them. And these people may or may not be good for you, you know, as far as like um, toxic relationships, like, you know, it could be family members, it could be friends um, that you are close with and their lifestyle is not good, but um, the, the soul tie that the person has with you um, can always make you feel like you need to pity them, that you need to um, always be there to help them or save them, or, you know, you can um, be um, just attached to them because you feel like, um, well, we, you know, I have known this person for so long, even though their lifestyle or the type of person that they are is not good for me, but I can't, I just can't leave them. Like those type of soul ties are real. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I never realized that, you know, your friendships can have emotional soul ties because um, whether they're good or bad, but they can have emotional soul ties because, you know, you just feel as though that you just cannot abandon that person even though they might not be good for you and then anytime they come around your energy is just drained or you know it's always something like um as you know the the older generation above me will say it's always something you know you always into something and you know then the obviously the physical soul tie you know when you are um, sexually with someone and you have that soul tie, you know, your souls connect in that aspect. And, you know, how do we break those soul ties? And, you know, um, as far as, um, sexual soul ties, especially if it's outside of marriage, you know, the Bible calls that fornication. So then you have these soul ties that you are linked with this person, whoever else they slept with, 
and so forth and so on, you know, we we have to be um, delivered from that, you know, from that soul tie because we made ourselves one with that person outside of the realms of God and his guidelines. That person is not either our husband or are not our wives. And so we made ourselves um, connected with that person outside of the guidelines that God has permitted us to do. So we have a soul tie and then we wonder why, you know, there's so much emotional um trauma or damage with this or we um, think about this person or that person or why we feel like we just can't let them go because you had a sexual relationship with this person and that is a soul tie so now you have to pray and fast and um, seek God to break that soul tie but then also when it comes to um, friendships you know you have a soul tie as well especially if you have known you know, your friend for um, an X amount of years. And, you know, now that you um, have known this person, you know, their lifestyle or they could be going a different way than what you're going to. But it's not, oh, you know, I just want to be still be able to keep in contact with this person because, you know, they're my friend or and that friend might not be good for you. Or sometimes, you know, you might just need a break from that friend. Um, just to be able to concentrate on the things that God wants you to do or want you to work, want you to go or whatever. So with that being said, um, I didn't know that you can have soul ties that's outside of sex. Like, you know, not a, a romantic relationship, but just friendships and relationships that we have outside of a romantic relationship that it can cause or I didn't I didn't know and I didn't realize that it can cause, you know, though it can cause soul ties, you know. You feel like you have to be around a certain person or you have to be um connected to this person because of whatever reason that you have to be connected to them you know those are also soul ties and we can go to God and ask God like is this friendship um worth me staying in or is it not worth me staying in you know we should consult God and you know everything that we do but especially in our relationships as far as you know romantic or as far as um um, platonic we should consult God um and ask if we have any soul ties you know um I think that's just um I open it for me that friendships can have soul ties like I just thought it was always um a sexual aspect like oh you have a soul tie because you you know you were sexually active with that person but <laughs> not so sis like we can have soul ties to friendships or whatever and with that you know consult God to see if those relationships are healthy for you so that is all I have to say today I know this podcast went a bit um went a little bit longer than usual but thank you all for watching if you are here from YouTube go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel Stars Conversations and I will see you guys later thank you for listening bye